eh, ya cumplieron el primer año de who was fairly strongly involved, but he was also involved with another group. So we didn't have him in our church all the time. So male leadership in our churches here in the Dominican Republic were sadly, was sadly lacking. So there were some of these, some of these guys uh, who had been baptized, but they were not doing anything. And I, I told them, you, you guys are just sitting out here rusting. So we have this active men's ministry now. Well, as I said, the, they've celebrated a year now of having a, an organizing group or a directive group. And we have about 12 to 15 men now who are more involved in, in the work than before. And along with that, uh, in Canaver 32, we probably have more growth among the men than in any of our other churches. Welcome back to the EFM Podcast, where we seek to create missional conversations to equip the local church for a global impact. We're glad you're with us today. I'm your host, Tom Tyndale. EFM exists to plant churches to encourage and help national believers to carry out the Great Commission in their own cultures and beyond. And one of the ways that you can tell an organization like ours is being successful is that when people from recipient countries go and carry the gospel to their own cultures and beyond into further countries and today we get the real privilege of sharing an interview with someone who has done just that and so it's my privilege to introduce brother angel leva to you he is a friend of ours who has been working for many years in the ministry and in the last several years, he has decided to take the gospel beyond his home country and is now serving in the Dominican Republic. So, Pastor Leva, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Amen. So you are the most recent commissioned missionary from a country that EFM has started to work in, and now you're carrying the gospel into other countries. And... Since you're not from an English-speaking background, I know there's a lot of people that are part of our family that are interested, but they, they would like to get to know you better. So would you go ahead and tell us, just tell us your story. How did you come to Christ? How you got started in the ministry? And then what was the process to move you from your home country to your current country? Muy bien. Hey, first of all, I'm thankful for the privilege that God gives him this morning to be able to share this with you. Conocer, hermano. And to be able to meet Brother Tom. Sí, gracias a Dios también por hermano. Uh, good to Esteban, see Brother Stephen also. Uh, we've been together in ministry yeah, for a number of years. Así que agradezco a Dios por esta oportunidad. Luego, pues, es un... And it's also a privilege for me to be in this interview with you and to be able to answer a few questions. Sobre todo agradezco al Señor porque es un I am very thankful for the opportunity that God gives us every day to serve Him. Without Him, we can't do anything, so I'm glad to have His power in my life. Primeramente, eh, contestando la, una de las primeras preguntas sobre mi conversión, Regarding my conversion, there was a pastor who arrived in the area where I was living in the 1980s. 
que por cierto fue los inicios de la that was the beginning of a holiness church in that place where I was living. Fue como el, el segundo he was the second pastor in that particular area in that church. Uh, he is now in heaven. Hermano Esteban Hay conoce a hermano and Hay, Brother Stephen Hay knows the, the father of this person who is in San Pedro Sula. Yo vi, en el hogar de mis abuelos, I was living in the home of my grandparents who were very Catholic. Pero el hermano Arnaldo Sánchez rompió el this pastor began to visit our home and began to talk to us about the word of God. Y fue así de esa familia que yo and it was through him and his family that I came to know the Lord and also I began my formation as a Christian in his church. Uh -huh. Recibí la doctrina, me bautizó, I learned the, learned the doctrine of the church and I was baptized and received as a member of the church. El primer ministerio que Dios me dio ahí fue la the first uh, activities of ministry were, uh, were musical. Uh, I, I served as a singer with duets and trios and quartets in our church. Así que esa fue la primera parte como llegó mi conversión, so, como Dios after this preparation for ministry, this participation, después, uh, in 1988, the Bible school in San Luis, Honduras, was in session, and uh, representatives from the school visited our church. Convencido del llamado de Dios y de lo que él quería, so I was convinced in my heart that uh, God has, was calling me. So when uh, the school representatives came for a visit, I had the opportunity. I enrolled, and in 1989 became a student in our Bible College or Bible Institute. No sé si puedo contar un poquito más acerca de eso o avanzo a la a la pregunta los primeros. In 1990, when I was there. The, the Bible school functioned with classes from Monday through Thursday, but then Friday through Sunday we were in the going visiting churches and actually participating in pastoral ministry. Fue así entonces que en el 1990 Después mi siguiente iglesia siendo estudiante. Ya habían recorrido eh, mucho tiempo en el bíblico y ahí una estudiante que había ingresado en el 1988. Así que cuando terminé ya mis cuatro años de estudio y ella también estábamos, estaba yo todavía pastoreando en la, la segunda iglesia. Y ya para ese tiempo, so it was in 1994, uh, took me as a teacher also, so I was teaching the Bible Institute part-time. So I pastored a period of time there and then went to another church where I pastored for four years, a place called Armenta. 
Luego vino de parte de Dios. And then uh, after, after that, it was God's will for me to serve as the president of our national church. And I was president for eight years. Después de los ocho años de presidente, after those eight years, I took a pastor of a church in San Pedro Sula, but that only lasted for a year. Entonces, trabajando en la iglesia, viendo el crecimiento bien rápido en esa obra. So, while I was pastoring there, you know, about a year in, the church was growing, people were happy. And God was blessing. And uh, I got a call from this man who is interpreting for me today. Es una de esas llamadas de, this call was de one of those, one of those big things, a big challenge, because it's one thing to minister uh, in your own country, uh, among people that you know, and so on, but it's something else to go into uh, another country, to another culture. Así que hermano Esteban eh, me hizo esa llamada, que, que si quería visitar, ir a conocer la, la República so I accepted the invitation that Brother Pike gave me, actually gave the family to just go visit the Dominican Republic, kind of get to know the place, uh, see what it was like and so on. And so my family and I went. So my wife and one of my sons and I uh, went to the Dominican Republic. We were received uh, there by uh, David and Marilyn Middleton, who were the missionaries at that time. And we had a very heavy, busy week of preaching and visiting. And uh, then, then my wife and son and I went back to Honduras. So then I got another another call from Brother Stephen. And he was asking what he received, what happened, what were our impressions, and so on. And then he proposed the possibility of our going to missionaries, and that made us pray the harder to know God's will. So it became a, a, very, a, a very difficult task for me to announce to the church there that I was pastoring that we would be uh, leaving and accepting a, the challenge of uh, going to a foreign field. En una reunión de la presentación del proyecto y estábamos hablando de la que la voluntad de Dios era venirnos para acá. And she said, so what's going on here? You said that you had a call to come to a pastor of church. Now you said that you have a call to go to the Dominican Republic. Which one is true? Which one is going to happen? What's the real call? And she left the service. So the, it was a very difficult moment for us. That particular service was very difficult because a pastor falls in love with the church and church people and the church falls in love with the pastor and his family. So there were people who were weeping and it was very, very difficult for us. We were weeping. Very difficult for us to uh, tell them that we were having to leave. Así que fue muy duro esa parte. So it was no a difficult si moment, and uh, I don't know that this lady ever really came to understand todo, uh, no the no reasons why we were leaving, but that is sometimes part of life. Go where the captain tells you to go, and that's what we were doing. We were minding God. We've raised some really great issues. I want to dig in a little deeper here, and so I'd like to ask you, a couple of questions related to the call. So first off, if I understood you right, the Dominican Republic really wasn't on your radar. It wasn't as if you had a vision from God or a burden for the people, but it was at that point, the uh, brother Height who said, hey, we need you to pray about this possibility. See, 
en realidad, hermano, yo yeah, estoy that's, convencido that's de que cuando um, uno uno ministry, Well, I would just like to pick up on, on that for our listeners, because I think a lot of times those who are in ministry leadership have a very hands-off approach to letting people explore their callings. And I would challenge pastors and church leaders to say, this is your job. Paul told Timothy to appoint elders in every city. And so one of the jobs uh, with equipping people for ministry is to appoint leaders and to send leaders. So I would encourage people to be praying very intentionally and seriously. How do we raise leaders? How do we send leaders? How do we equip leaders? Okay. So did you have something else you're going to add, Brother Leva? Uh, solamente que Again, talking, talking about the call, my concept of the call, um, when, when you're convinced in your heart that this is what God wants you to do, you're convinced you're in ministry, you're convinced that you are doing God's will, you're also open to something else that God might want for you. He's, he's the captain of the army. So when he calls, uh, even though it might be difficult, you answer. Uh, even though you maybe don't feel like doing something, you do it because he told you to. So, but it becomes also uh, something that gets into your heart. And uh, the reason why we're here in the Dominican Republic is because it is in our hearts. So you mentioned that you had the lady that mentioned you were called to this church and now you're called to a different place. And that also brings up another issue that I think you mentioned was very good. Uh, sometimes the call to ministry takes different flavors and takes different uh, directions. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you worked through uh, knowing which place God was calling you to at that point? Realmente no no fue fácil. Nosotros tuvimos que orar bastante. Pero, it, certainly, it certainly wasn't an easy thing to do and we had to pray quite a bit. Y explicar un poco a la iglesia la, la situación como es que se mueve Dios. And of course we had to explain to the church how it is that God moves sometimes. Y una de las cosas claras que Dios me hizo sentir es que was, la obra uh, en Honduras maybe, maybe especially difficult because that work in Honduras had shown appreciable growth. But it was más also notable that there were several leaders there, so there were people who could take care of the work, but in the Dominican Republic, there was a lack of leadership. Entonces, entendiendo una de esas primeras situaciones, me so this helped me understand que, that uh, God Dios would find someone to carry on leadership in Honduras because there were plenty of people for him to call, to call on, but it was time for us to go to another country and offer leadership there. Boy, that is, that is really exciting, and I want to take a moment to accent this for our listeners because one of the things that helps relieve a pastor or a leader from the call is knowing that I've done my job and I have equipped local leaders. Again, pastor, your job is to build the body of Christ, to edify the, to equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry, and so when the opportunities come. It's never going to be easy to just go, 
but it can be less of a problem if you've done well and you've raised up local leaders to take up after you. Also, sometimes sometimes just leaving is a good way for people to step up too that you know are ready. So let me let me go ahead and go to the next question. So you, you came to the Dominican Republic and you mentioned there was a lack of leadership there. What did you come to do and, and what's your vision in the Dominican Republic? Mm-hmm. Bueno, como todo líder tiene una visión y una misión, ¿verdad? Ambas, ambas cosas. Entonces, eh, when every, every pastor, aquí, and especially every leader, país, has a vision, has a plan. And just like the, the people who had been before acá, us here in the Dominican Republic, um, we also had uh, a plan, had a vision acá. of what God wanted us to do. Claro que ese trabajo uno lo va lo va so it's, it's very true that when somebody comes into a new work like this, they, they begin to learn it as time goes by. They learn more and more about the people, about the situations, about the, the difficulties and all of those things they never knew before. Uh, but at the same time, one of our primary objectives was to see that the work of God here would grow and prosper. Así que cuando llegamos, eh, conocimos so, los lugares, we, we met people, we, cuatro, we, you know, visited the, the churches, so on. There were only four churches here at that time. We now have five Entonces, with eh, a, a new work that's opened up. But we very quickly no discovered that it was not an easy place in which to work. There were a lot of problems, a lot of hindrances. Very Catholic country, for one thing. And I'm just throwing this in on my own, but a very a country very given to tourism. So all the stuff that comes with tourism and the the bright lights and the opportunity for opportunity for good money on the people people or the local people to be able to get a job in tourism or whatever and, and those things all enter into make it a pretty tough place to work. Así que desde el 2018 hasta esta fecha cuando llegamos Empezamos a conocer lo que había en cada iglesia, a analizar. So starting in 2018, when we came, it's been a matter of, of visiting the church and talking to the people, analyzing the work, seeing what's lacking, trying to find ways to make up for those lacks, you know, to strengthen leadership and strengthen churches. And that's, that's basically been our, our ministries for the time we've been here. Así que cuando hablo de conocer... Paso a paso, lo mismo también so la iglesia. we've gotten to know each other a uh, little by little, and uh, the, you know, the ways opened up, God's opened up for us to do some good work here. Very good. So tell us a little bit, if you would, about the relationship between the three Hispanic countries that we hear a lot of in the EFM world, the Honduras and Dominican Republic, as, as you're kind of working with both of those, Guatemala as well. Tell us about how these all relate to each other. Bien, la misión teniendo esa conexión. So, when Mission's first arrived in Central America, uh, it was to take the work to Guatemala. So Guatemala was the first Central American country to open up. And then from there, in Honduras, 1968, the work opened in Honduras when London Thank You went. Entonces, teniendo esta esta relación a través del trabajo de la misión que ha venido realizando por tantos años eh, la obra creció en, en Guatemala luego de Guatemala the work eh, in Guatemala grew and developed and, uh, and leaders were developed there so uh, there were leaders from Guatemala who took a great interest in what was going on in Honduras and that especially Leonard Sainz just mentioned Leonard Sainz uh, going over to help start to work there and 
So there's, there's this vital connection between those two countries and interest on the part of the leadership in the, in the work in Honduras that helped spark the founding of that work and the development of it. Luego la conexión a la Cala República Dominicana, como son las mismas iglesias de, de santidad, lo único que ya en Guatemala y Honduras es Iglesia Evangélica de Santidad, aquí en la Dominicana. So there are also uh, leaders from Guatemala who visited the Dominican Republic. And uh, a couple of the pastors, for example, who came to the Dominican Republic and preached revival meetings. Uh, Misael Galvez, who was the National Church President in Guatemala for a while, uh, came and visited and held services there. So there was a connection from Guatemala to the Dominican Republic as well. And my own work in the Dominican, having been a missionary in Honduras, or in Guatemala, rather, for, uh, for eight years. So there are multiple connections, even, even from Guatemala to the Dominican Republic. It was helping open up a family, of, if you will, uh, of churches in those three countries. Okay, very good. Well, that is very exciting because it shows that there's been some serious discipleship about reaching out from the very beginning. And I also want to take another moment here to admonish our listeners that growth and outreach should be endemic uh, to our DNA, that we are looking forward to reaching the next person, planting a church in the next town, the next state, the next country. Uh, let's reach our own people and beyond. Now, you, you said a, a key word there, family. You talked about a family of Hispanic nations. The Leva came as a family. The Leva family came as a family. And you mentioned you first came over with your son, and now you're there with all four of your kids. You've got a beautiful crew there. Tell us about how they relate to the ministry aspects there. Amen. Bueno, actualmente somos cuatro. So we actually actually have four children, but one of them uh, had already married when we came. She married to a Guatemalan doctor. So we've gone in different directions. <laughs> eh, entonces, desde que Dios me unió oh, we have always been uh, a family that has been a team working in ministry. So even in Honduras, as God gave us our children, so on, we were developing a, a team of ministry. And I thank God for my, my children. They're young, but they are young people with hearts that are devoted to serving God. Ahora se ha pagado un precio para que nosotros very happy to have my family here and I really appreciate their love for God and for ministry. And in fact, it was a bit costly for us to come here because one of our boys had a pretty good job, pretty, good, pretty well-paying job in Honduras. And he left that to come to the Dominican Republic and serve here with us. Entonces, él, eh, en disposición de apoyarnos a nosotros eh, como padres y apoyar en el ministerio. And, and esa, he also uh, was a university student, so que, eh, uh, he had to leave that in order to come to the Dominican Republic. Quisiera alargar un poco esto, pero por razones de, del tiempo, eh, perdió las clases que él había avanzado en la universidad. Los otros hijos and so all three of our children here are behind in their studies. The oldest one who also had a job is not as far behind, but uh, the transition from one country to another uh, is even worse than just from one school to another. So they lost a lot of their credits, not been able to make all of it up yet. 
Y yendo más directo en la involucración del trabajo como familia, toda mi familia está... But we are here together and every member of the family is participating in the work. We are all involved in, in the work we do here in this country. Well, that's an amazing story. So thank you for sharing that. I'm really glad to see family involvement. I think that's something beautiful that is one of the most significant means of ministry that the world needs to see. How do godly families operate? And that's a crucial part of discipleship. So what are your kids doing in ministry? What does that look like for them? Sí, bien. Eh, hablando de mi hijo que renunció al trabajo, que es el segundo, que es Andri. Él está involucrado con el asunto de oficina, ¿verdad? De los trabajos que estamos llevando acá con la iglesia y la misión. Okay, the one son is Andre. He's the one who left a good job in Honduras. And one of his main functions here is in the Shepherd's Global Classroom because he's the one who goes into the other churches. He's instructing, he's teaching, he's presenting the materials, involved with the, with the people in that way and helping develop new leadership. Los domingos en la escuela dominical, que es donde nosotros estamos. On Sundays, when we have uh, like a Sunday school situation, he is working with the young people. He's teaching the young people apart from the you know, older people in the church. Luego también los demás mis hijos. All three of them are involved, involved in music. So, uh, you know, they're singing, playing instruments and so on. And then my daughter is involved in uh, children's ministry. So on Sunday, she's teaching the younger children. And when we go to uh, some of the churches, she also has children's classes. Plus, uh, all of them, just they're just generally supporting uh, and, and helping in the ministry. Y para este año, una de las metas so one of the goals we have for this year is to, uh, is to form uh, like a board of directors for the youth work in our country here. So my three children will probably form uh, part of that directed board at least for a while. Y mi esposa, la oveja mayor, dijo un líder en cierta ocasión. And my wife, of course, is my strong right arm. Uh, she has been with me. Uh, she stands, stands beside me and behind me. And uh, she's just a, a general help in, in every part of the work as well. So one of the things that this ministry lacked when we arrived was a women's society. So my wife was instrumental in starting this women's society. Uh, she is currently the president, and of course the ladies are saying, what, what do you do? What, what, how does this work? What functions do we have? So she's been involved in teaching and training them and, and forming this uh, women's society. So that's a, a major part of her work. Very good. So what what is the role and the function of the Women's Society? Como expliqué, se formó una, una directiva. So the, the Women's Society is, a, you know, you know, first of all, in, in, in forming the society itself and, and training ladies to be leaders and participants in it. But uh, along with that, um, you know, they are celebrating anniversary services of the founding of, uh, of the society in each church. Uh, they're also uh, involved in other other services from time to time, mostly directed at women. But uh, one of the things that they're also pretty heavily involved in is doing, uh, like, uh, I don't know how you would call it in English. In, in Spanish, they call it they call them like wedding seminars. Um, you know, workshops to teach the people what it is to be married, what, what, 
what are the responsibilities of a married couple and so on. So, and that's, I'll tell you, that's very necessary in the Dominican Republic. Very necessary every place, but in the Dominican Republic especially so. So you you got this vision to to form this workshop seminar to help people enter into marriage with good expectations. If that's not there, what is the the local Dominican's expectation about marriage? <laughs> Ahí donde casi entramos a terreno un poquito poquito fuerte, verdad? That's where we get into some pretty pretty tough tough things. So very difficult field. Sí, y ahí es donde van las las culturas también, ¿verdad? Hay ciertas Couple of things. One of them is that uh, there are a lot of people who live together not married. So one of the objectives that we have of course is to is to unite couples in marriage. But an, another thing is that in this society women are stronger more influential than perhaps Honduras or Guatemala. So you know, their women here are very strong. And one of the things we're wanting to teach them is the, you know, the, the, the proper relationships between husband and wife and so on. Entonces, tanto yo como pastor y ella la la directiva y mi esposa también se ha visualizado. So we're finding that we we really have to work with uh, with wisdom and care as we teach these things and so on. Because there was a a, a lady here in Los Prados, which would be kind of the central of the four churches, and she said, you know, when I get ready to do something, she said, I, I don't I don't consult my husband, but my husband. I just inform him and then go ahead. Así que ellas como mujeres y yo como el líder vamos haciendo un trabajo con. So we're having to deal with those kinds of issues, but we're having to do it step by step. It takes time. Well, you're a brave man, and I appreciate that. That is fantastic. <laughs> so I think I also saw that you've actually started Men of Valor, which I think I just heard is Valor. Is is that is that bravery? Okay. Uh, it can be bravery. It can be value. Okay. Uh, it has it has two or three. You know. Okay. So you've also started a men's group. Uh, tell me a little more about the men's group. Perfecto. Eh, ya cumplieron el primer año de de haberse organizado porque fue una de las visiones. Yeah. So when when we arrived here, um, there was no men's group. In fact, there were hardly any men involved in the church. There was one in particular who was fairly strongly involved, but he was also involved with another group. So we didn't have him in our church all the time. So male leadership in our churches here in the Dominican Republic were sadly, was sadly lacking. Repito lo que dije hace unos minutos cuando llegamos empezamos a observar lo que was that lack of male leadership in the churches. Um, and fue así que mire en 32 de Mateo Romano varones so one of the things we started with was just having services for the men directed to the men uh, and then we a year ago started the men's society so they've celebrated their first anniversary Entonces, entre esos hombres, habían unos que ya eran bautizados. So there were some of these, some of these guys uh, who had been baptized, but they were not doing anything. And I, I told them, you, you guys are just sitting out here rusting. So I began to kind of talk it up among the men, uh, also talked to the, the ladies, especially uh, the sister who has been the pastor of our church in Kilometer 32. 
and you know she was she was uh, in agreement, and we all began to work together to do something with the men and and get men more involved in the work. So there's a, a brother here who is Haitian. Uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti share the same island, so there are a lot of Haitians that live here. And uh, this fellow is well-educated, well-prepared. Uh, he spends some time in Chile because of educational things or job things, but he, whenever he's in the Dominican Republic, he's a vital part of our work. Entonces, eh, tenemos la directiva so we have this active ministry now, well, as I said, the, they've celebrated a year now of having an organizing group or a director group, and we have about 12 to 15 men now who are more involved in, in the work than before, and along with that, uh, in Canaveral 32, we probably have more growth among the men than in any of our other churches. Igualmente para ellos ha sido una nueva experiencia, pero los he ido empujando, enseñando y han ido aprendiendo. So we involve them in, in all sorts of ministries, so they're participating in special services that we have, in, uh, in services in open air, you know, kind of like street meetings, but be, be more out in the, in the countryside. But a lot of different activities that the men are now involved in that they just were not doing anything before. That is exciting. Thank you so much. I I'm really excited to hear these stories because I, I sense a, a good kindred spirit, someone that's willing to deal with wimpy or non-existent men and bossy women. Uh, that's a challenge. <laughs> and, and it's a, it's a big challenge that the church, the world over needs to take seriously. And I'm glad you're taking it seriously. All right. So there have been some fascinating things. You mentioned the church at kilometer 32. Now, I know in Guyana, South America, they kind of label the villages by how far down the road they are. And I guess that's the same situation here in, in Dominican Republic. So some road, you get to kilometer 32, there's a there's a village there, and there's a church there. Tell us the story of that. Bien, la, la, el análisis que el hermano está haciendo de los kilómetros es, es eh, similar a lo que él dice. You're right about papá, the... ¿verdad? Villages being named according to the distance. So one of the main highways in the Dominican Republic comes out of Santo Domingo, which is the capital, and it goes westward. So this would be about 32 kilometers west of Santo Domingo. There's actually another church that we have along the way that it, we think it's that kilometer 25, but some people call it kilometer 26. But yeah, that's, that's uh, one of the ways they designate villages. No conozco tanto la de la historia de los tiempos tan atrás de kilómetro 32. So I don't know a whole lot about the, the history of the church. Brother Steve can tell you more about that. But yeah, the, the mission did arrive there and uh, bought property. And so there is a church, uh, not just a congregation, but also a building uh, that is functioning in that place. Pero de años um, poco atrás, the la main person, ahí, main leader in Columbia 32 has been a woman. Uh, her, her name is Gregoria. Uh, we always call her Goya. And she, so she has been like the pastor of that church, but she also uh, has been instrumental in the formation of the church at Columbia 26 because the lady who is the pastor there is the spiritual daughter of this of this lady in kilometer 32 so there's a a, a unique tie there 
Así que ese es un poquito de, de, la, de la historia de los tiempos bastante atrás. Ahora ya reciente. So when we arrived, we, we noticed that in kilometer 32, they had a small building. It was very small. It was uh, in deterioration. Uh, water getting through the roof and all kinds of things. So in addition to that, the group was large enough that they did not fit into that building. So one of our projects right now is the, is the construction of a new church building. Okay, well, you mentioned that your son has been working with training at four different churches in the Shepherd's Global Classroom. So tell me a little more about what that looks like in your context. Who can take the courses? What's the goal for someone taking the courses? And how have the graduates or the participants impacted their churches? Bien, realmente pueden tomarla. Nosotros abrimos la puerta. Okay, so when we give these classes, they're wide open for anybody. If a person is baptized, not baptized, if a person is active in the church or not active in the church. And in fact, when we're teaching the class, if somebody who walks in, we call them a friend. You know, it means they're, they're, not, they're not Christians, they're not believers, but they walk in, they're welcome. Los resultados en la gente son grandes. Están aprendiendo. The impact mucho, of this course has been uh, has been great. People eh, are learning. They're they're learning more about the Bible. They're gaining confidence in their knowledge and, and their ability to use it. Several of them talk about going out to preach. Uh, that would not necessarily be the formal sense of preaching, but, but they feel more confidence about going out to witness, to testify, to talk to other people. And we are envisioning uh, more preachers in our church, believe it's going to happen. And uh, in fact, in Kilometer 32 this month, they are doing a special presentation of the group there that has been studying. And they're going to you know, talk to the church and people in the village about the impact of this course. Gran parte de las iglesias ya terminaron so dos most of our cursos, churches have completed two classes. The first one, the, the one we're working on right now is principles of biblical interpretation. And the one we did last year was uh, the basics of Christian belief. And, and most of our churches are finishing up the second of those courses. Y como se está visitando otras and because of some, some outreach and, and some cooperation in other groups, we have two Pentecostal churches who are studying with us this year the principles of biblical interpretation. Y tenemos pláticas con el presidente and we've been in, in contact with the president of the group of evangelical churches here in the Dominican Republic. So we've talked to him about this program and we've disseminated information to other churches about it. So we just like to spread this program all over the Dominican Republic. Our biggest vision for this program is to raise up more leaders and especially to raise up male leaders because even right now in all of our churches we have, we have female pastors and they are getting older and having health problems and all that. So we really need for the men to step up and become pastors and leaders in the church, not just the churches that we have, but even to go out and start new churches or even pastor in other denominations if that's if that's where they go. But but our our main goal at this point is to raise up leadership. Well, praise God. I'm excited. So the word of God makes an impact. It changes people's lives. And I really appreciate your aggressive attitude to reach out, to equip people, to give them the tools that they need. Well, Brother Leva, it's been a real joy to have this opportunity to interact with you and to get to know more about what God has been doing 
through the eyes of uh, the Hispanics working along uh, inside other Hispanic cultures. And I'm really excited about what God is, has done and will do and appreciate you making the time to be here. And I pray that our listeners who have been tuning into this podcast will get some good ideas and some good vision, some good encouragement, and go thou and do likewise. Well, I hope you were encouraged by what you just heard. If you have an interest in being more directly involved in a short-term capacity, there are some construction projects that they would like your help on. And if you would like to be involved in that, we would encourage you to reach out to us, podcast at 4EFM.org. That's podcast at 4EFM.org. We would love to get you connected so you could join together in the partnership of the gospel and help finish some much-needed projects so they can go further in the Dominican Republic and beyond.